0: Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, I'm Steve Conover, and with me is our host and teacher, Chris Katulka. Last week in Haggai chapter 1, we learned that soon after the return to Jerusalem, the Jewish people were charged with rebuilding the temple. But they quickly misplaced their spiritual priorities. They were focused on rebuilding their own homes and not the house of the Lord. This week in Haggai chapter 2, we'll see that the temple is now under reconstruction, but the Jewish people were disappointed because their expectations in what the temple would look like. We're left unmet.
1: That's right. The Jewish people listened to God's prophetic call to rebuild the temple in Haggai chapter 1, but now that they're in the middle of construction, they're beginning to realize the temple isn't going to look the way it did in the past, and deep down, their expectations weren't being met. But listen, God was encouraging them to continue rebuilding in Haggai chapter 2 and to make sure that their expectations were not being placed in the temple structure, but in the God who rules over all. But first, the news. Iran is currently facing a drought that is affecting 90% of the Iranian population. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded to this drought by releasing a video in English offering Israel's water expertise to Iran. Netanyahu stressed to the Iranian people that Israel can help them by offering technology that has the ability to turn salt water from the sea into drinkable water. And Israel's drip irrigation technology targets each plant specifically, wasting no water at all while producing a high yield. Well, here's my take. This move by Prime Minister Netanyahu is diplomatic genius. Netanyahu has stressed in the past that Israel has a deep appreciation and respect for the Iranian people. What Israel has issues with is the tyrannical and oppressive Islamic regime that governs the Iranian people. Netanyahu opened the door of diplomacy by talking directly to the people of Iran who are in dire need of a basic necessity of life, water. Let's pray that the Iranian people actually take Israel up on this amazing offer. Last week, we started a series on the Prophet Haggai. I was talking about how the prophet was challenging those Jewish people who returned to the land under Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel to evaluate their spiritual priorities. And and if you listened last week, you heard that those Jewish people who returned to Jerusalem after being exiled for 70-plus years faced some opposition in rebuilding the temple. And with just a little opposition they quickly left behind the temple rebuilding effort and started to focus on rebuilding their own homes, refurbishing their own houses, and and neglecting God's house. And Haggai challenges these Jewish returnees to evaluate their spiritual priorities. Now, I was just in El Reno, Oklahoma, just outside of Oklahoma City, and I was speaking at a conference at New Hope Baptist Church and the pastor there was sharing with me about their building project they had just completed. And the pastor said that they had, in the beginning, when they were beginning this process of adding on to their church, that they had a few thousand dollars in a building fund. But a need came up within their congregation, and they spent most of that money helping someone in need. The pastor looked at me and said, with with within just a few weeks, and within no time, our building fund nearly doubled after we drained it to help someone in our congregation. Now, after that then, a new ministry opportunity arose uh, for the community in their town, and the church needed a van to get people from one place to another. So they took that money from the building fund and invested in a new van, and the pastor told me that they nearly drained the building fund once again. And then within a short amount of time, the building fund had nearly quadrupled That brand new facility I was in during the conference was completely paid for. There was no debt. And, you know, when I heard the pastor telling me this story, I couldn't help but think of the message I had just given on Haggai, that the church leadership had their spiritual priorities in the right place. Folks, it wasn't about the building. It was about ministering to people and the pastor and the congregation were willing to part with the idea of a new building to help those in need or to help spread the message of the gospel their their spiritual priorities were in the right place and i believe it's one of the reasons god blessed them with a new building that's completely debt free their spiritual priorities were in the right place i think a perfect application to haggai chapter 1 but but now i want to turn your attention to chapter 2 of the prophet haggai haggai is very detailed in giving us dates in his prophecy and from chapter 2 we know the date of this message is 21 tishri that's october 17th of 520 bc this was nearly a month after the people had resumed the rebuilding of the temple and we know this because we can compare the date to what uh, Haggai gives us in the end of Haggai chapter 1 and Haggai chapter 1 verse 15 so when you compare those dates uh, that is left in Haggai chapter 1 and what begins Haggai chapter 2 you can see that it's a month into this building effort and so Haggai's message is coming to those people who are in the middle of a rebuilding effort and they're noticing something the work is hard and and it's probably moving slower than they expected it to. R- remember, we're talking about more than 60 decades of rubble that had that needed to be moved. And and the Jewish people were starting all over again. And remember, they didn't have big machines like we have today. They they, they were doing a lot of this probably with their hands, um very little technology. And so Haggai speaks to the leaders Uh, Zerubbabel the governor Joshua the high priest and the remnant of those Jewish people that had returned to Jerusalem and says to them in Haggai chapter 2 verse 3 he says this who among you survivors saw the former splendor of this temple how does it look to you now isn't it nothing by comparison You know, Haggai is calling on those older people in the community who did see Solomon's temple just before it was destroyed in 586 B.C. And Haggai is saying to those who remember the first temple, how do you think the building process is going? Remember, the temple isn't rebuilt yet. They're only one month into reconstruction. And in the community that was rebuilding, there was probably some grumbling going on that this temple will look nothing like the old one. The disappointment certain members of the community felt was on the lack of the type of material they were using to rebuild and some of the missing sacred objects like the Ark of the Covenant. You know, the new temple, they realized, would never be like the old. The returnees who were rebuilding had no money to pay skilled craftsmen from abroad to create a temple like Solomon did. Uh, they couldn't even begin to think of covering the interior with gold. And in spite of the work that was already being done, there was nothing to show for it. The new temple didn't match with the promises of the earlier prophets like Ezekiel uh, for the grand renovation of what the temple would look like in the Messianic age. If you remember, if you ever read through the prophet Ezekiel, at the very end he gives these great detailed plans of what a Messianic uh, temple will look like, Uh, the millennial temple we, we call it. The details, the blueprints of this temple are amazing. And yet the people are looking at what they're rebuilding and the resources they have, And they're questioning, is this going to be anything like the old temple? The the problem Haggai is facing is that the unfavorable comparison between the present and the past undermined all the incentive to persevere and to continue building. And thus, the people needed to be encouraged again. And Haggai encourages everyone by saying in Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Even so, take heart, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take heart, Joshua, son of Yehoshadak, the high priest. And all you citizens of the land, says the Lord, and begin to work. For I am with you, says the Lord, who rules over all. Do not fear, verse 5. I love that. Do not fear, because I made a promise to your ancestors when they left Egypt, and my spirit even now testifies to you. What amazing reassurance from the Lord to those rebuilding, that despite their financial shortcomings, despite the fact that they didn't have the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and that the temple wouldn't look like what Solomon built in the past, that it's the Lord who rules over all that's in control. God will use their shortcomings. Think about this, everybody. God will use their shortcomings for his glory. And notice God reminds and encourages the Jewish people who are rebuilding who are feeling depressed because they feel as though they have uh, that what they have is inadequate for God that that the Lord wants them to continue rebuilding even in the face of adversity because it was God who made the promise and vow to fulfill it. And God also says in verse 5 I love this my spirit remains in your midst. This, I believe, would have shocked those who were listening to Haggai's words from the Lord because I'm sure they thought the Spirit of God wouldn't come until the temple was finished and completed. Remember, it was the Holy of Holies that the Spirit of God dwelled in, that the presence of God, the glory of God dwelled in. But here God is saying, continue building the temple even though you feel disappointed in the way it's going. And remember, this is huge, my Spirit is with you even now. Now, so do not fear. And Haggai continues by saying in verses six through nine, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once it, once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in. And I will fill the house, that's the temple, with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is Mayan, the gold is Mayan, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house, the temple, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I shall give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. See, when God says he's going to shake the heavens and the earth, he's talking about divine judgment. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus, the Messiah, when all the nations of the earth will be judged, when all the nations of the earth will bow down and worship him as the king of kings. And God reminds the Jewish people through Haggai that they are worried about the finances to get the temple built, but he says, the silver's mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. But here's the real kicker. The thing those Jewish returnees Couldn't see is that God wanted to make sure their spiritual priorities were in the right place because, see, God's point of view is much broader than those Jewish returnees. See, God was looking clear across human history, not at the temple that they were working to rebuild, but instead, God saw how the work that they were doing on the temple to rebuild it would one day lead to the construction of a greater temple, a millennial temple. Did you hear what Haggai said in verse 9? The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. God knew the work invested in rebuilding the temple was crucial to the process of God's presence returning to the future Millennial temple. That's why God didn't say to the people, "Oh no, shut it down. Stop building. Finish this thing. The work's over. You don't have the resources to do it. You're right. Just just shut it down." God didn't say that. Instead, He said, "What? My Spirit remains in your midst. I am with you, and this is a part of the process I've laid out for you. Keep building." God's point of view is different than ours. He can see the end and the beginning simultaneously. And that's why when we return, I want to pull out some spiritual principles from Haggai so that we can understand that even when our expectations aren't being met, because that's really the issue here, everybody. These Jewish people that had returned, their expectations were not being met. That doesn't mean, even when our expectations aren't being met, that doesn't mean God's not at work in our lives. So I want you to stick around because we're gonna pull out some spiritual principles from the prophet Haggai. Do
0: you find it hard to relate to the people and times of the minor prophets? Books like Habakkuk, Zevaniah and Haggai, These were prophecies written thousands of years ago, but the truth is the spiritual issues surrounding their circumstances are similar to what you may be facing today.
1: In the book, When Prophets Speak of Judgment, see how the messages of Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and Haggai are warnings that challenge us to see life from God's point of view. This book is an encouragement to redeem the time as we move ever closer to the last days.
0: To order your copy of When Prophets Speak of Judgment, visit us at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. We'll have a link on our homepage, or you can call us at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940.
1: Welcome back everyone, we have been studying the book of Haggai, a prophet the Lord used to communicate to those Jewish people who returned to Jerusalem after exile to rebuild Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. Now Haggai was dealing with a spiritual issue the those Jewish people had toward the rebuilding effort that was underway, and that spiritual issue was the issue of mismanaged expectations. See, those Jewish returnees were disappointed. They were upset and maybe even angry that they didn't have enough money and resources to rebuild the temple to make it look like Solomon's. That Their expectations weren't being met and when our expectations aren't being met, many of us can easily wind up upset or discouraged. I I believe sometimes we can place our hopes and expectations in the wrong place. You know, if you're a husband and you have unrealistic expectations for your wife that aren't being met, you could easily end up with bitterness and resentment towards her. And it goes both ways. If you're a wife and you have unrealistic expectations for your husband, you can end up bitter towards him. You know, expectations often arise out of what we're used to, uh, the way we grew up, the way we were raised, so that when we get older, we begin to cast our expectation on others without thinking twice. Didn't the Jewish people do that? Their expectations and what the temple should be was rooted in what they knew from the past. And if you're placing your hopes and your desires and your expectations in a person or something else, I will promise you this one thing at some point your expectations will not be met they will let you down and that's when bitterness comes in that's when envy comes in that's when anger comes in and the Jewish people were placing their hopes and their expectations in the temple and God through Haggai reminds them that if they're going to place their expectations in anything place them in him the only one capable of upholding the promises. See, when we place our hopes, desires, and expectations in God, then we're allowing him to break the mold of those limited expectations we were, we were hoping in and putting on others. And we get a chance to see how God is going to work. Cause see, he has a greater plan than we have. See, God wants the hearers of Haggai's prophecy to place their expectations in him so that he could reveal to them what the Lord who rules over all has in store. See, remember, Haggai was revealing that even though the temple that they were rebuilding seemed, seemed inadequate, seemed as though it wasn't working out the way they thought it would, The idea is that God reveals this prophecy that says you got to keep building because this is a part of the process, and what's coming in the future is greater than what you have in your mind right now. But if you only put your expectations in that temple, then you'll never be met. But if you put your expectations in God, God lets you see where you fit in his bigger plan. Because you know what? It's not all about us. Where are you placing your expectations? It doesn't matter if you have low expectations, if you're a low expectation person or a high expectation type of person. What matters is how your expectations are being met or who is the one who you're expecting to give you purpose, joy, and peace in your life. This this is a challenge I have for you if you're listening. This week, I want to challenge you to take inventory of what your expectations are and who you're placing them in. Are you placing them in your spouse? Are you placing them in your kids? Are you placing them in your work? I want to challenge you to take inventory of where you're putting your expectations. And once you put that list together, I want you to write God's name next to each and every one because I promise you this one thing. If you place your expectations in God, that's where you'll find joy. That's where you'll find contentment. And that's where you'll find purpose in God's overall plan
0: of redemption. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor, Svi Kalisher.
2: Here in Israel, the people are very tired of war, as I am. Russian immigrants living here want to know how we can live in a country that has been so long without peace. Don't you grow tired, they asked. Yes, I am tired of war, I replied, but I have peace in my heart. They wondered how this could be when we don't know what tomorrow will bring. How can we have peace in our hearts? It is impossible. I told them it is possible, but if you want peace, you must first let the peace of God rule in your heart. How can this be, they asked. How can we know that God is in our hearts? Pray in his name and you will see God change your life as he did mine. You will receive blessings from above because it is written, Without me he can do nothing. They asked me how I came to know all of this, and I responded, I came to believe through faith in the Lord Jesus. It is the fact that without him we cannot have peace in our hearts, in our homes, or in the streets with our friends. How do you know that this is true? They questioned. Did God speak to you? Oh, yes, I answered, through his word. God is my father, and when I pray to him, I find rest and have great joy in my heart. If you have joy, you will also have peace. The conversation continued, and I shared with them that the Lord has given me peace and great happiness. No one else can give these things except him. I gave them each a Russian Bible and told them that everything they wanted to know could be found there. They were happy to receive the Bibles and promised to read them. I told them to pray to the Lord for understanding, for without the Holy Spirit's guidance we cannot comprehend anything. Zvi, they asked, are you a Christian? Yes, I replied, I am a Hebrew Christian. Ah, now we know to whom we are speaking, they said. How can you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Is this possible? If so, can you prove it? Yes, I answered. It's possible. In Genesis one twenty six, God said, Let us make man in our image. Jesus was a man. In Psalm 2, seven, God said, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. These things are in our scriptures. Why have we lived so long without receiving him as our Savior, they asked. That is a good question, I replied. Many times Moses told God that his chosen people were stiff-necked, but God in his mercy gave his only begotten Son to die for our sins and to rise again. Through him we can receive forgiveness of our sins. But if we receive Jesus as our Savior, we will no longer be Jewish, they argued. Look at me, I told them. I believe in Jesus, and yet I am still a Jew. I am doing the very best I can for my country. I try to give my testimony to all those who have never heard about the Lord. It's only through Him that we can receive blessing. These men were extremely interested in our conversation and in my faith in the Lord Jesus, which brought about such a change in my life. I feel that the Lord is speaking to them. It is my prayer that they will come to know Him as the Savior
0: We talked a lot about expectations on today's program. Maybe some of you are thinking, my expectations were in God, but I feel like he's let me down. Chris, how would you answer someone that's feeling that way?
1: Yeah, I think Haggai answers this question perfectly because... God asked the Jewish people to keep building, but you know, those Jewish people didn't see the end game. And so you might be thinking God lets you down, but I wanna challenge you. God has, like I said, the beginning and the end in sight simultaneously. What you're doing now in, in relying in God and trusting in God and putting your expectations in God might not be seen, a fulfillment might not be seen today, but it might be seen sometime in the future, a time that you might not be able to see. So it's a reminder
0: to put our expectations and hope in the Lord. Great lessons, Chris. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for today's program. The Friends of Israel Today remains on air thanks to the faithful giving of listeners just like you. If you would like to donate, visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.